0: build the portfolio of tomorrow today with alternative investments previously reserved for only the top one percent yield streets cutting-edge investment products are designed to grow your wealth bringing you one step closer to the financial independence you crave with minimums at just five hundred dollars and access to investments in art real estate venture capital and more the future of alternative investing is now with yield street visit yieldstreet.com to get started that's (music) yieldstreet.com
1: This is the Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on Monday, February 8th. We are inching towards Major League Baseball, once again returning to our lives. The truck, the equipment truck, has left Wrigley Field earlier uh, you know, last week and is headed to Mesa. That is always one of the key signs that pitchers and catchers are soon to report, and baseball is back in our lives, and we have a little bit to talk about. Um, The Cubs have not made any significant moves since we last spoke, but we did hear from Jed Hoyer on Monday, and there's some interesting stuff to break down as it relates to the budget and what the plan is for the remaining runway, albeit short, uh, of this offseason. So we will get into that. We'll take a look at some other stuff that has gone on around the league. But Brendan, how are we feeling? We're, we're very close to pitchers and catchers being back in Mesa. And I know that uh, coming from Arizona, that, that time of year is, is particularly near and dear to your heart. This time of year is
0: my favorite baseball time. When you see pitchers and catchers report the stress-free baseball, you get good interviews, good content, you get David Ross back out there talking to the press. Like this is this is where I'm thriving. Don't have to worry about losses, April, May slow starts. This is my time, Corey. I could not be more happy.
1: Well, I am happy for you in that regard. Thank uh, you. We, we got word I think earlier today or this weekend that they're expecting maybe a quarter of capacity, twenty five percent capacity at some of these spring training games. We'll see how that all. You know, obviously, all this stuff is subject to change. We're we're a month out from you know even playing those games or whatever, but they're they're trying, and a lot of that stuff probably affects some of the budget conversation we're going to have. Um, so we'll 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 dig into that uh, first. I do want to start, uh, Brendan. I, I know it's. Uh, uh, a bitter pill for us to swallow, but uh, Albert Almora has signed with the New no. York Mets, so Ugh. any any chance of a reunion there is is not going to come I to fruition. I think if anyone has listened to this podcast for literally more than five minutes, you know that uh, that was not a reunion that Brendan and I were interested in, but as we do with uh, some of these decisions, uh, I do wish Albert well, And, uh, you know, he was always a a, a good person and and member of the Cubs organization and community. So I wish him well. I did think, Brendan, that it was a little weird to see so many of the articles, whether it was uh, Ken Rosenthal or John Heyman or MLB Trade Rumors, refer to it as the Mets finding their center fielder. Um, Yeah. Bold decision if that's what the Mets (laughs) plan to do, Uh, because I you know, I don't think he's a major league center fielder, but hey, that's uh, not my problem. In other baseball news, just so it's out there, uh, the one of, you know, the remaining, I I think, uh, big fish goes to the Dodgers, Trevor Bauer, in a monstrous contract to the Los Angeles Dodgers, uh, making it ever easier to just absolutely despise that organization. So, sort of nice of them to, to make that easier. Brendan and I were already there, but I think the, the, the vibe was a little too good for, you know, in the general Major League Baseball fan sphere. So hopefully now more people are with us, Brendan, in terms of mm-hmm. hating yep. the Los Angeles Dodgers. And I will root for nothing more than for that person, Trevor, to <laughs> blow that organization up from the inside. Um, and yeah, that's a lot of money for a guy who's had like, Two seasons out of eight with a sub four ERA. That was one of those that uh, glad, you know, we want the Rickets to spend money, but I did not want that. So that's uh, just some context to the baseball news. Also, Marcel Ozuna going back to the Braves. That's another big one. And we can kind of, you know, I guess th- there's not too much to talk about there, but we did talk about the Nolan Arenado thing, obviously, with the Cardinals. He's their new third baseman. That was announced officially, and that was something that was yeah, it feels like a bullet dodged, Brendan. Does, in terms yes. of Ozuna, I I, th- I think he liked playing in St. Louis. He had a good year when he uh, was with St. Or he had a good, you know, numbers when he was with St. Louis. And it seemed like he wanted to go back to the Braves when he ended up signing that deal. He talked about, you know, finally having a place to call home after bouncing around a little bit. But it did sort of seem, you know, when the Cardinals traded for Arenado, they traded Dexter Fowler to reunite him with Joe Madden in Anaheim. And it, you know, you and I talked about this like a little bit of a fear, like, okay, the Cardinals just got Nolan Arenado for free and hopefully they're not about to use that space to go and add Ozuna, because I think as things stand right now, and we'll get into this a little bit, you know, the the NL Central's a toss-up, at least as as I'm looking at it. Um, You could probably make an argument for different teams, but I think it ought to be pretty competitive at the top. The Cardinals adding a, a pretty solid bat like that in Ozuna, and, you know, knowing they would be going into a season with Goldschmidt, Arenado, Ozuna, and then if any of those other guys perform, right, like Tommy Edmond, Tyler O'Neal, etc., that's that's potentially a, a daunting offense. And, you know, maybe they're not done, but it was nice to see that that reunion didn't happen. And just to finish my free, I guess this is the, the Corey free agency update section of the, the thing, but we did get a lot of movement in the past week. Colton Wong goes to the Brewers. So that was another potential reunion in St. Louis. And also someone that I think a lot of us had hoped the Cubs would take a look at just to be able to boast what I assume would have been the Best middle infield defense in baseball with Wong at second and Baez at short, but not to be. He ends up going to another NL Central team. So the Brewers getting themselves involved and uh, attempting to make their team better. So that is basically where we're at. I think that covers everything. But, but the, the the moral of my point there, I'm I'm upset the Cubs didn't sign Wong. I think that made a lot of sense, especially with this pitching staff, uh, especially on a short term thing. But bullet dodged, I think, in Ozuna going to the Braves and not the Cardinals, because that seemed to make a lot of sense. And it's nice that he's not in this division.
0: You know, you're burying the lead. Yadi Molina back to St. Louis. Oh, right. He got back there. They got back their MVP. Nine million dollars, I believe, was the final deal. Uh, so you know what? Good, good for the Cardinals spending nine million dollars on a forty-year-old catcher who can you know barely hit baseballs anymore.
1: Yeah, I, I would have loved to see that be for more money, Um, just because, yeah, like, obviously I know, you know, what he brings on defense, but... Yachty, I think, has posted a WRC Plus above 100 like once in the last five seasons, and it's only getting worse. So (laughs) go ahead and spend that. If they want to spend the money on stuff like that instead of Colton Wong and Marcelo Zuna, be my guest. Throw it it at Yachty all you want.
0: Can you Um, believe that, though? They spent that money on Yachty Molina over Colton Wong?
1: Like... (laughs) I mean, it, whatever, it seemed like a given is, this that whole is weird, time, dude. and uh, you know, it, it there was there was a period where it sort of sounded like Yadi was hoping for more money. You know, I think he I mean, you insane. know said something on Instagram at some point about wanting respect or you know some nonsense yeah. like that, but yeah, I, it that's that's a much better outcome if you're the from the Cubs perspective, right? than them, them deciding to do that. So we'll see how it plays out with the rest of the NL Central and if these teams are done making moves or if there's more to come. Um, But that kind of catches you up on those things. And so now I think let's turn to what we heard from Jed Hoyer on Monday. It was a pretty interesting little press conference from Jed with the Chicago media on Monday, of course, uh, via Zoom as these things are going nowadays. And he talked about a lot of the stuff that I think is is pretty obvious and that we've certainly touched on on this podcast, The one of them being that a large portion of this Cubs season as it stands right now is is going to hinge on bounce back seasons from those core hitters which I think is obvious and we've talked about that a good bit there's a, a certainly wide range of, of expectations from this team but Chris Bryant and Javi Baez simply not performing like they did in 2020 which they never had throughout their career and we've you know taught we and other people have talked about a lot of the reasons that that did happen that's the easiest one that puts the cubs in a much better spot right even if you're not looking at mvp levels from those two guys so you know say we're not getting 2016 chris or 2018 javi just javi not being the worst hitter in the league like he was in a a short 60 game messed up season last year that would be very helpful and you know chris bryant also not having the worst year of his career that's a that's a big start um, and, you know, can can really change things. So that, that was one of the more obvious things. But, you know, you do expect him to say that. Something else that Jed talked about was that he intends to sit down with people to discuss extensions once they are all at spring training. So once they're able to do that in person, once they're back in the swing of baseball, but not yet at the point where they're in the middle of a season. I don't believe he spoke, you know, specifically on on who he might be talking to, but obviously the main candidates for that are Javi Baez, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, who are in their contract years, and then, of course, Wilson Contreras, who if the Cubs are not going to trade him like we've been, you know, talking about and dealing with those rumors all off season, he might be a good person to lock up and, and try to find a good middle ground on a friendly deal for everybody. So uh, Jed saying, quote, I'd love to have those discussions this spring. I think it's a good time for it. I think spring has always been a great time to have those discussions and you talk to different players. Some guys don't like it to bleed into the last couple weeks because they sort of want to lock in and some guys are willing to have those discussions. He mentioned a lot of the uncertainty and, you know, difficulties on on both sides, but they they plan to revisit that. So I I did want to bring that up because I know that that has obviously been something we've been hoping for for some of these guys, and, you know, certainly will inform a good bit of the future direction, as right now you don't have any of those guys locked in beyond uh, aside Wilson, but Baez, Bryant, and Rizzo, this is it as it stands right now. So you, you need a little bit of clarity perhaps on, on what the future for those guys is. So I know we've talked about this a little bit, but just quickly, Brendan, I I, I kind of have my assumption of what the answer is to this, but uh, any, any of that you're hoping to see get done by spring training so that that's out of the way?
0: You know, we heard Javi in the front office talking during uh, spring training last year. And I think you and I were discussing that we almost expected an extension to be worked out last year. This, of course, was before his uh, pretty, pretty underwhelming and terrible 2020. Um, So I expect him to at least talk about it and we'll hear updates about it. I really don't know this front office. We'll give Javi like 120 plus million um, at this point, I especially with Jed Hoyer now as the main guy in charge. But I do expect to hear something with Tony as well. And I think if we're talking about extensions for anyone on, on this team, and it has nothing to do with Tony's personality, but his profile looks to be the best one to age because high contact, good discipline, mild to moderate power, He has the best portfolio out there, better than KB, and KB has had some variability over the years, mostly probably because of injuries. But of those guys, like I would love to go into the 2020 season to have Tony just locked up for the next five or however many years they end up doing it.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, look, like we've talked about all of these guys, and I'd like all four of them to be in their long term plans obviously, you know, you have to see what deals they're willing to take and things like that and consider yeah. everything else going on with the team and, and the future direction. But there's there's just one of these that, like, Rizzo cannot play for another team. If he wants to he play till he's 50, happen. I mean, you know, look, like, things get weird. But in a normal sense like he he has to be a cub for life. There there again, like you said, it it makes sense from a player perspective and from a baseball perspective, but he he is the Chicago Cubs. He represents so much for this team, the person he is off the field with all his philanthropy work and the work that he does in multiple communities not just Chicago. He's got to be a cub for life. There there's just no way that you can let him leave and go somewhere else. It can happen. It would be uh, an absolute disgrace if if that happens. Uh, especially, if
0: Besides there's... that too, though, Corey, it's like, yeah, you want, I mean, he's the captain in the, in the face of your franchise, of course, but like, truthfully speaking here from a statistical background, you want a hitter with that consistency locked up. Yep, you want a hitter that's not going to strike out that much, that will take his pitches, that will hit home runs, and because he does not swing at so many bad pitches, that those types of hitters tend to age the best. Think of like a Joey Votto-esque type player. So I I mean from Everything all combined, it makes sense. But first and foremost, because he is like a a, a really good hitter, like it comes down to that, honestly.
1: It's got to happen. So we'll see what those conversations bring, but at least have that on your radar that perhaps they are going to look into that once they arrive in Arizona. Another thing that Jed talked about was something we talked about last week, uh, which is Jock Peterson versus Kyle Schwarber. And we're not going to get into that again because he didn't really add much that we said. But I I do just want to read this quote from him. And Jed said, they're different hitters. When you look at the aggregate numbers, they look fairly similar, but their strengths are different. And Brendan, that sounds about exactly like what we said last week so i know there were just in reading on social media and stuff like that um you know especially on our podcast instagram and stuff like you know i i understand like people love schwarber and they were sad to see him go and when you look at some of the raw numbers and they're they're pretty similar i can understand why some fans are like why did we not just bring back the the world series hero a guy that the Cubs drafted and developed and et cetera. Um, but I do think you know, as Jed pointed out, there's some key differences that that help the Cubs and sort of get them closer to a direction that they want to go. So it was just sort of interesting to hear Jed reiterate some of that stuff that I think we had already talked about um, and had discussed. But the lead of this podcast and, and really what I think we want to get into a meaty discussion is the budget. And it appears to have changed. And this is a tough timeline to follow because this is one of those things, as we always say, we are not really going to get an exact picture on this, right? I do not expect at any point Jed or Tom Ricketts to come out and say, here is the timeline of what the budget was, here are the exact factors that changed it, and here's what it is now. So we kind of just have to read between the, the you know the lines here and go with what they're saying. And I think some of it is a little obvious to figure out what is changing and stuff like that. But here are some of the things that Jed said uh, that they had had a range to work with in the off season uh, and without getting into further specifics. Jed noted that some behind-the-scenes factors helped the team increase its spending more recently, obviously pointing to Jock Peterson, Trevor Williams, bringing back Andrew Chafin in the bullpen. And Jed went on to say, quote, as we got a little deeper in the offseason and got some better news on a few things, we were able to move up a little bit into the higher end of that range. And so that helped us round out the roster. So he also indicated that they are not done adding to the roster, saying, quote, we're still having conversations with a number of other players. No guarantees anything gets done, of course, but they are having those conversations. So it's it's interesting to hear this stuff, obviously, and I think it's, it's fairly easy to read into what is changing, right? Uh, you know, clearly the information on the virus, the vaccine, everything going on with the pandemic has been trending in a more positive direction than it has uh, throughout the offseason. As I said, you know, there's, there's information on uh, some fan attendance, even if it's limited in spring training. And I would presume that they are working with the city of Chicago and, you know, teams are across the country in terms of what they might be able to do and, and, and when they might be able to do it um, again. All of this stuff is uncertain, but it it clearly seems to me, Brendan, that obviously the budget that Jed was given from ownership. There's a lot of factors that go into that, and again, the obvious caveat that you know we our preference would be that the ownership is just spending a lot of money and putting together the best team that they can. But this is what we're dealing with. So uh, thank you. So. It's pretty obvious, you know, what has changed these things. Um, and, I, you know, I, I think that it's very easy to read stuff like this. And, and I know some people's first instinct is to say like, oh, well, you know, would have been nice to have that money before they traded you Darvish, or would have been nice to have that money to pay John Lester or to let him retire as a Cub. There's all sorts of ways to take this stuff. And I, I understand it. But again, there Jed's not going to tell us when he knew what and what exactly some of the thinking was in in some of this stuff so uh, to me I don't really I don't really have the energy to get angry about stuff I was already angry about all over again right I I think (laughs) you know as we've been trying to do on this podcast like this is what they're doing this is the direction they're going this is the information we got today so just trying to proceed from here so it sounds Brendan that they're not done Jed suggesting specifically that they are looking to add more rotation depth so an, at least another starter so we we don't have the exact figure we don't know you know if if we're talking about an extra two million dollars three million dollars 15 million dollars we, we we don't know but clearly they are intent on adding more to this roster and and they may have a little bit of money to do so. So I I think that's good news. It's it's pretty late in this process. So unfortunately, the market is not as full as it once was. Um, but there's some talent out there. There's a, you know a, a mix of free agents still available. You could always pursue things in a trade if that was the direction that you went. But. I think with where this division is, which again, from my perspective, I see as being quite competitive um, between likely the Cardinals, Cubs, and Brewers, of course, there's a myriad of factors that make, uh, I think, especially the C- Brewers and Cubs either more or less competitive, right? I mean, and I think they're almost the same category. Um, You know, you look at Baez, Bryant, and Christian Yelich, you know, all had down years in 2020. If those guys bounce back, that's obviously very important for their teams. If they do not, or they don't bounce back enough, you know, then I think that's also going to determine their competitiveness. But This is what we learned today. So what was your initial reaction to this, Brendan? And, you know, have you already begun kind of combing through the lists of available free agents and potential players and reclamation projects, et cetera, to kind of put your eye on guys, you know, depending on how much the money the Cubs have left that you'd like to see round out this roster?
0: Yeah, I I was surprised, Corey, um, just given what we saw earlier on, especially in mid to late December, it looked it looked bleak. You're seeing Darvish traded for teenagers. You're seeing no immediate following moves. So I'm I'm surprised now. Given what we've seen in the last few weeks, it does make sense, right? Like you go out there you're signing Jock Peterson, you're signing Trevor Williams, you're signing you know relievers. So now it makes sense to me. So to your point, yeah, I'm looking at okay, who can they sign then? If you have more money, who makes the most sense? I'm conflicted, and Greg Haas and I have talked about this a few times, but I'm conflicted because one side of me wants to add more starting pitching. The other side of me recognizes that perhaps one issue that this team has faced over the years is not giving their AAA guys, their 23, 24, 25-year-old talented pitchers, legitimate opportunities. So I'm trying to reconcile those two truths in my, in my mind where I land right now is that I think it's possible to still go out there, sign another starter, and still give guys opportunities. Still give guys like Tyson Miller opportunities, Corey Abbott, Justin Steele. I still think it's possible that they can get shots even if you go out there and you sign someone like a Jake Arrieta. And the reason being is two, twofold. I think we heard Jed even say it. There's going to be inning restrictions this year. And that's not because, hey, we want to be extra careful with our guys. No, it's because like a lot of them did not have normal structured seasons. None of them did last year. So uh, there's a lot of uncertainty there. So you have to plan and project that there's going to be some some mishaps along the way. So I think you're going to have any restrictions and you're going to have some guys have mishaps. And I think right now our rotation is looking like it's almost a finished product, I see this a lot, and I and I, I don't know if I agree with it. I see Alec Mills' name in that rotation as a staple. And I know he threw the no-hitter. Like Alec Mills, I think he's a useful pitcher for this team. I don't think he's a guarantee. Even like out of opening day, I don't think he's a guarantee. I think if we were to go into this year right now as is, I think Tyson Miller gets a shot. I really do. Um, but to your point, Corey, I'm looking at the free agent list right now. And there's 22 remaining starting pitchers. And if you go on MLB trade rumors, you're going to recognize each and every one of these 22 guys. Now, of these 22 guys that make the most sense, this is all you know subjective. But I think, truthfully, bias aside, honestly, I think Arietta makes a lot of sense for this team. Um, one, he's likely going to be cheap, given what we've seen with uh, pitchers and post-injuries this offseason. And two he looked apparently, as we've read, pretty good during his tryout. And I think a lot of the issues he had over the past few years were influenced by injuries. He had an elbow bone chip. And I think a lot of it too was just bad coaching, dude, like legitimate bad coaching. And Jake Arrieta talked about this. He was saying how he wanted to continue to throw stinkers down in the zone, and that he didn't really care what the new trends were. And I I, I like that about Arietta that he's kind of going against the grain usually, but he's wrong there. Like he And I think if you get him in the room with Mike Borzello and Tommy Haddavy and familiar faces with whom he had success, he can be convinced to not throw sinkers every other pitch down in the zone and do what they did with Hendricks and elevate that sinker. And so Arietta has five pitches. He's going to be hopefully healthy. He's a physical freak, man. Um... And so I think he makes the most sense. I think he makes the most sense for 2021, but I still think he's young enough, 34, to have two more years, three more years left in his system. And I could see a heavy incentive option-laden deal that makes sense for both the Cubs and Arietta. And I like him more than the other options. I like him more than Rick Porcello, Tyson Ross, Jeff Samarja, Julio Tehran, Tywin Walker, Jordan Zimmerman, Rich Hill, Cole Hamels, Gio Gonzalez, Trevor Cahill. I think he makes sense more than all those guys. Um... So yeah, that's that's where I am. I think Jake O'Dorizzi also makes sense. He's a heavy sinker guy. He had a great twenty nineteen whiff rate went through the roof, one of the best sinkers in the league because he actually elevated that sinker. So of those guys, I'm looking at Jake Arietta, I'm looking at uh Jake Odorizzi, the Jakes, I guess if you will. And if we get one of them, I'll be pretty happy. But let's let's
1: bring back Arietta. I think it truthfully makes sense for both sides. While I agree with you about Arietta, I think you're biased. So <laughs> I, I mean, think everybody book. needs I'm to trying. consider
0: that. I'm trying to put the bias aside, but yeah, I maybe, I know maybe it's I can't.
1: been a long time so if you're a new listener and you've only been listening since Jake Arietta was a Philly y- you kind of have to understand <laughs> that the way I talk even still about John Lester is very similar to how Brendan Dude. Talks about Jake Arietta. Can you imagine, though, if he comes back to the Cubs? Like, I mean, come on. No, that'd I'm be into so, it. That'd be I'm so fun. I, I'm, I'm only using this as an opportunity to rib you. But just to remind everybody that, you know, Brendan talks about Jake Arietta in a, a specific way. He spent a lot of time <laughs> breaking down Jake Arietta's mechanics and release point and Z scores and, and all sorts of things. So you guys have no idea the amount of video and data I've. Gotten from Brendan about Jake Arietta. I mean, really, I, I th- I'm pretty sure Brendan could write a dissertation, a, a, like a a grad school level thesis about Jake Arietta. I mean, so, it's
0: embarrassing to even think about that. But you're
1: right. He, he, yeah, you. I mean, you. Yeah, I embarrassing. Know. Yes. I know. But yeah. I, I'm into it. I mean, look, the we've talked a lot about how 2021 is clearly they're not throwing the year away, right? At, at, at least as we stand here, you know, weeks before pitchers and catchers and spring training really gets going in earnest. They're, they're not throwing it away. They have not traded away the entire team, right? You know, I mean, you know, knock on wood, right? Like, I, you know, there's still time. So who knows what Jed is planning. But based on what he said today, like the the motive seems to be on adding things. He, he, you know, quite literally said, like, we, we are not Under any you know further mandate to cut payroll, like we're looking to add depth to this team and to do what we can to compete in this division. So I I think you know while you're not going all in, you know you're not going to have a 200 plus million dollar payroll and World Series or bust like type attitude. That as I said, I, I believe they are competitive in this division as things stand. And I think if you can take whatever money is left and, and add more depth to this team, I, I think it puts you in a, in a good shot. And, you know, you have a few of these pitchers work out. We've talked about Trevor Williams. Jed Hoyer talked about that a little bit on Monday. He didn't go into as many of the specifics that Brendan has either on this podcast or in his writing at CubsInsider.com. But clearly, everybody that is digging into this is on the same page. They they believe that there is something in there. And Jed even sort of reiterated a point that Brendan made that the Cubs have had a lot of success with similar guys and getting them into their infrastructure, into their lab with Craig Breslow, Tommy Hotovy, and their staff, and getting better results out of them. So if you can just keep adding this depth and and hope some things stick, I I think that they're competitive in this division. So. I, I am all for them bringing in somebody like Jake, not just for the nostalgic and, and the, the feel good perspective, which I think is worth it, right? Like if you're if you're not going all out, like let's have a little fun, right? Like we've already lost so many favorite players. It would be nice to have something like that, like bring someone like Jake back, maybe announce an extension or two, like you know, kind of come out of a, a what felt like a very dark offseason and at least a little more positive of a place, right? but i think that you know as brendan said like it it's it's all about finding interesting guys and and finding guys that you can tweak or work with their repertoire their pitch sequencing things like that and just try to get better results and and to something that brendan was talking about we've heard this a lot but just to um add sort of the specific to it jed did reiterate again today on monday that he said you're probably looking at maybe seven or eight guys in terms of who you're going to be asking uh to give you starts uh and as brendan said there there's just so much uncertainty with the the double ramp up last year the shortened season the kind of crammed weeks that some of these had these teams had with the double headers and things like that and then of course, you know, now transitioning back into a normal 162 game season as they're planning on right now on a normal timing, it you have to be prepared for that. So I, I think you are, I don't necessarily disagree with you on, you know, not necessarily being positive that Alec Mills is someone who is sticking in a rotation, but I do think he's obviously in that seven or eight guys, as Hoyer said right now to give you some, some starts, right? And then you kind of see how it goes. And, and, you know, that'll be an interesting thing to watch, you know, as, as you kind of space that stuff out and see who's get you know, looking really good and, and how you kind of maneuver that as, as the year goes on. Um, but specifically, just to add the you know actual context to it, Hoyer said, we're probably looking at it a little more as probably seven or eight guys, given the fact people are going to have some innings restrictions and stuff. We're going to continue to look to add to the rotation. I think that's an area we can continue to build. So this is a few times in this press conference that he has noted that they are still looking to add rotation depth. So if you have your... You know, feelers up for Cubs news in the next week, coming days, etc. I would not be surprised if that is something that happens soon. So I, I think you're you're safe to be on the lookout for the Cubs to add somebody in that rotation uh, to continue adding arms to this group. I don't really have any preferences. I think a lot of these guys are you know, interesting guys like James Paxton, Jake Odorizzi, etc. You know, maybe on the more interesting end, but you've got all sorts of things. Some of these guys coming off of injuries, you know, down performances, there's certainly a range. So at this point with where we're at, with how close we are to the season, I'm, I'm interested in them bringing in guys to make the competition better, to add more depth to that group, and to just sort of see what the pitching infrastructure can do, as we've said a lot of times. And none of this is is ever to suggest none of these guys are infallible. None of these guys, you know, have a 100% success rate in terms of things like that. But I do think especially amidst you know, a lot of uh, negativity surrounding the Cubs, certainly in this offseason. I, I think it's always worth reiterating, at least in our opinion, I think Brendan and I are aligned on this, how good a job the the Cubs pitching infrastructure has done, um, especially, you know, since Tommy Hotovy and guys like Craig Breslow, who's now one of the assistant general managers of the team, have really taken the reins and and gotten their staff in and and gotten the pitch lab and and all this stuff that they're trying to do. I I think they've done a really good job um, in terms of getting a lot out of pitchers who were not succeeding at that same level in other organizations. So Mm -hmm. I, I don't have anybody that I am immediately targeting. Obviously, I would love to have Jake back. That's a very easy Thing to transition back into. I would love to have that beautiful flowing beard back in our lives. I think it's something we deserve. I I've said as much before, but we lost you Darvish's hair. Uh, you know, it seems like a, a decent trade-off. It's a different part of the head, but it's, you know, still hair that we can um, look at and, and gush over. But just give me, give me interesting guys. Give me guys that, that Tommy and Craig think they can work with, think they can max out Change things around and and get some results because it, it's it's really clear. I mean, we've heard this a million times. You're you're going to see a lot of guys get opportunities. So yeah. that that's just how it's going to be in 2021 until they you know kind of get guys settled and and back on a normal normal routine and normal track and normal prep. So. I'm I'm for anybody that is interesting. I'm I'm looking at this uh you know this list of free agents. The the only person I'm looking at that th- on this list that I'm not interested in is Brett Anderson. So <laughs> beyond that, do whatever you want. Bring somebody interesting and and let's see if it works. But I'm glad that it appears there is some money left to try to round this team out, um, because I, I think this is a winnable division. It, it has been this whole offseason, but you know, when 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 a team like the Cardinals acquires somebody like Nolan Arenado, when the Brewers decide to wake up from doing literally nothing all offseason and add Colton Wong, though those players obviously not on the same level in terms of how they they transition a team. But, you know, other teams are not content to just sit there and do nothing and let this division be won by whoever the best team not doing that much is and you know the Cubs made several moves themselves so keep going stay competitive and then as we've said like if KB and Javi come out and they look more like themselves more like the players that they have been for the majority of their career you know I I I think this this is a rather interesting team right at the, at the very least and certainly competitive in the National League Central
0: yeah so if you look at just the current projections and I just a caveat I always say this when I do this but the offseason is not over yet and it's not fair just to add this all up but it, it does add context when you interpret it appropriately And so right now the Cubs their current positional group has a projected total war of what is this of 18 that's 15th that's right at league average right now now they're pitching projected total war of eight. That's third worst in Major League Baseball. So there's a lot of discussion of, hey, let's maybe use that money to bolster second base. And and like I'm one of those guys too. I think think we need some more depth at second base. But at the same time, if we have more money and if we're trying to shore up our potential weaknesses, I think Jed nailed it. I think you add to that depth. And the more I think about this too, and now that we actually had someone explicitly say that there will be any, any restrictions... I think it does add potential value to guys you're trying to develop, such as Adber Alzoli, such as maybe Braylon Marquez as the year goes uh, along. But more specifically for Tyson Miller and Corey Abbott, like the reality is they're not going to be starting every five days, right? And they they're they're not finished products either. So you can give them a chance, but if you go into the year expecting that you're going to have Tyson Miller as your sixth guy, as a consistent option like that, that's that's a dangerous that's a dangerous scenario so i think if you go in you sign something like arieta you give alzala you give miller you give abbott chances to fail to get more coaching more refinement at the major league level or maybe you know in iowa for a few weeks and then you kind of play that bus game and you give guys the innings they need but also you give them innings that they are qualified for that's not going to potentially set them back and i think that is kind of like a counterintuitive thing and i'm trying to reconcile those two truths again the two truths being i want more depth but i want more young guys to get options and the more i think about it i think there's room and maybe even an advantage of getting one more big league starter so that the other guys can develop but that's that's where we are man like the Cubs right now, they, they do have a positional group with very modest projections that is already tops in the division. But what's holding them back is that the computers don't have any confidence in their pitching. The only starting pitcher that's projected over 1.5 war is Kyle Hendricks on this team right now. And that speaks volume to the volatility of their pitching staff.
1: Yeah, there there was an article on Fangraphs, I think, recently about how Kyle Hendricks and guys that typically outperform their FIP, FIP is Fielding Independent Pitching, which, you know, looks at strikeouts, walks, and home runs. And, you know, they kind of define that as the stuff that the pitcher can control. So it it removes the defense. Um, And, you know, it just kind of talked about how Kyle is typically someone that outperforms that and that these projection systems, don't necessarily account for that or they you know they don't account for necessarily the consistency with which someone like Hendricks is able to outperform that um and so right now you kind of have a, a rotation that has several guys like that obviously you know Zach Davies Alec Mills etc they're not Kyle Hendricks um but you're going into it, it's it's I wouldn't be surprised when you look at some of these projections, and I'm not a big projection guy. I, I I don't know that Brendan is either, but I think Brendan you're into them a little more than I am. I genuinely don't ever look at them. I could care less about these projection systems. I I just don't I I just don't care honestly. Like I'm I'm more of a like I can look at the players and you know look at their individual numbers and things like that, and we'll see how it plays out. I really don't care about a computer system, you know, range of wins for the division. It just doesn't, well, doesn't they don't really do anything for me.
0: Yeah, well, that, like my, my pet peeve is when these projections are released, they give you the average of like thousands of simulations. You see the Cubs, hey, they're projected at 85 wins. That's great, but what's their range? Like, do they win 85 games all the time, or are they winning like 95 times during these simulations? And they do the same thing for players too. Like you see Chris Bryant at a projected war of like two and a half, It's like, what the hell is that? Is that the average? What's the range? Is he projected to to have five or a lot as well, and we're not seeing it, or what? So that's why I think projections, the way they present them, are almost useless.
1: I I think if you look at some of these projections and and you kind of feel like they're down on the Cubs and things like that, you know, a little bit of that is to be expected with the type of staff that they put together. I mean, right now they have a few guys who do not throw hard right, who do not sit in the top of the league in terms of strikeout rate and things like that, and who are going to use their defense to get outs. And that's not always as easy for these projection systems to measure. And, you know, this article on Fangraphs went into, too, you know, how, how well Kyle Hendricks has induced weak contact and things like that, and a myriad of factors. It's a good article. It's called The Superlative Kyle Hendricks on Fangraphs. It, it it goes into kind of why he's a bit of an outlier in terms of things like that. So yeah, it, it it's all just to say, like, the, the Cubs have a, a pretty particular staff that, that is not going to necessarily look as flashy or as good on paper, but if they're able to execute the, the Plan that we kind of all presume they're going to be trying to execute, and the defense behind them is good, which it should be, then they obviously perform a little better. There was also information that came out, I think, on Monday that the MLB has released some information on the ball that they're going to be using, and obviously that's been a point of discussion for quite some time now uh, with the ball, you know— being juiced or things like that, and you know the the launch angle revolution and how that related to the ball being juiced and and stuff. We saw a little bit, I think, in the playoffs in twenty twenty, you know, kind of like where it, it seemed all of a sudden that guys were hitting fly balls uh, that looked like they were going to be home runs, but now they were dying on the warning track, and it just sort of. It felt a bit different than the years prior, where it was sort of the opposite. You had years, uh, I'm kind of not remembering if it was 2018 or 2019, but where I remember frequently being like, I didn't think that ball was getting out. Like, and it's flying <laughs> of out of all there, of right? Them. So. Now it sounds like the ball is going to be a little more deadened, uh, not as bouncy. Is one of the words that I saw. Which correct me if I'm wrong, Brendan. Sounds pretty nice for the Cubs pitching staff <laughs> that is going to be trying to pitch to weak contact uh, and is going to be a staff that, if the home run for fly ball rate ticks down at all, that's good for a, a few of these guys who tend to pitch to a little more contact. So. It's, it's a roundabout way of saying that it's not going to be a sexy rotation on paper, and it's going to re- rely on executing a very you know, particular strategy. They're not, they're not going to be able to go, some of them, but the majority of the staff is not going to be going out there trying to blow guys away with just electric, powerful stuff, right? But that doesn't mean that it can't work and that it can't be successful.
0: Yeah, well, I I see a lot of comparisons with Kyle Hendricks and Zach Davies, and I get it. They're they're slow pitchers, but the degree to which they are similar, I I believe, is overrated. Like Davies throws a cutter a lot. Like I forgot what the actual number is, but I want to say twenty five percent of the time, and then he throws a changeup half the time. Like Hendricks is a diverse pitcher, man. He's got two changeups. He's got a sinker, four-seamer that he uses principally, than a curveball. So he is a very different type of pitcher than Zach Davies is. And I think if you pitched him back to back on on days, that's no that's no problem to me. Like why is no one talk about throwing hard throwing starting pitchers back to back? We don't hear any talk about Strasburg and Scherzer back to back, and they're throwing ninety five, ninety seven. So that's just like one other thing that I don't think matters that much. But to your point. The way the Cubs outfield has also improved defensively, uh, getting Jock in left field over Schwarber, does bode well for limiting some runs as well. Um, and hopefully Ian Hav continues to improve his defensive viability out there. I thought he looked pretty good um, a lot of the times in 2020, but still room for improvement. And I don't know. I think I look at this current free Asian market, I don't see any infielders worth signing right now. I mean, you see like Jonathan VR. On the market, or Jonathan uh, Scoop, like I don't think those guys make the most sense to give money to at this point. Maybe they go out there and sign an outfielder again. They signed Jackie Bradley Jr. and they move Ian Happ to second base. He's a natural second baseman. You never know, but I, I'm kind of wondering if they're going to surprise us and if they do sign a positional player maybe it's going to be another outfielder i i, I don't know at this point but that second base
1: market just looks so barren today. i don't i don't want it to seem like we're like obsessed with colton Wong, right i hated the guy when he was in st louis but do. just of the available options and a, a, along a lot of the lines we were just talking about with this pitching staff with the ball with the defense he he's constantly rated as the top defensive second baseman you would have had just an an incredible middle infield which if you recall the Cubs have won a championship with an incredible middle infield yeah, defense championship correct yeah so in 2016 they did win the world 2016 series. yeah world series and so I think that made a lot of sense now looking now that he's with Milwaukee looking at some of the options I'm not like particularly excited By them, you know you have guys like Jonathan Vr et cetera. Jason Kipnis is still out there, um, who you know I I wouldn't mind bringing back. But I I think the the reason that we honed in on Wong was because it was such a significant upgrade in one particular area. He's he can also be an effective offensive player on you know certain splits and things like that. But it, it was it was a pretty pointed effort to make the defense as good as possible to help out this pitching staff. So now that that's off the table, I don't know how much any of these guys excite me. Um, And yeah, I, I might rather be giving whatever money is left to starting pitching um, but that'll be an interesting thing to watch. I think, you know, going into spring training, as we're heading into pitchers and catchers reporting, we can start looking at what the top storylines are going to be to follow. What are the things when Jed Hoyer and David Ross and and some of these other members of the staff do their interviews in spring training and stuff, we can start to figure out like this is the stuff we're really paying attention to, Right. Like, there's obviously some stuff that isn't very interesting. Like, as things stand right now, we know who the first baseman is, right? Like, we don't know who the second baseman is. We don't know who those eight starters are going to be, if it's eight or seven, when they break camp. So that's the stuff we're really looking at. I would say that the starters are number one on my list as we head into spring training, Brendan, and I would say second base is second. And I think as it stands right now, excluding, you know, any like potential trade stuff that might still be out there, anything like that, looking at this roster as is, I think those are the two main storylines for this camp. You know, who who is going to earn a spot to start games for this team on the mound and who is going to earn time Starting games for this team at second base, and as things stand, and it and it was talked about, you know, by Jed Hoyer today. It, it's David Bode, Nico Horner, and uh, you'll remember him from taking Josh Hader deep in that awesome game in Milwaukee last year. Ildemaro Vargas. So that's yeah. kind of who's in there now, and sort of the sub headline for number two on my list is the Nico situation right? So I think who's starting at second base opening day for the Chicago Cubs is the main point. And then below that is, is it Nico Horner? And where is Nico Horner uh, on that day? So I think that's one of the the main things. And that's kind of going to be something that we have to see what they decide to do. The the only thing that Jed said today in the meeting with the media, he said, quote, you can have a number of guys that are rotating in a position that gives you depth, but I think we all want someone just to kind of grab hold of it and kind of force their name into the lineup every day. It kind of feels like one of those, like, yeah, duh, kind of quotes, um, but it, it's, it's sort of what Jed has to say at this point. So, the the only position in this meeting with the media that he really specifically said, like I said, that you can be on alert that the Cubs are likely going to do this, was adding rotation depth. He didn't rule out adding an offensive player or more bullpen help. He he, he didn't rule any of that out, but starting pitching was the one he actually sort of pointed to, is like, we are specifically looking to do this. Um, so at least as it stands right now Brendan it kind of seems like that's going to be the group and i we've talked about this a lot i think we're going to have to see what goes on with Nico in spring training um and you know just to clear it up i don't remember the last time we even talked about Nico but the the situation with Nico is just a question of what is the best thing for his long-term career and what that will mean to the Chicago Cubs. None of this conversation, at least from Brendan and I's perspective, and certainly not the Cubs' perspective, none of this conversation is uh, a doubting of Nico or not believing in him long-term, things like that. This is all about a guy who has had a lot less time in the minor league system and to develop as an offensive player specifically he he right now you can put him out there and you'd have a good middle infield defense he's a he's a a solid defender i don't think you'd have any issue there but it's all about his offensive development and what the best thing For that is, and so that that's what this discussion is going to be, and I I just want to clear that up because I think some people, perhaps if they see a suggestion from a a major outlet or things like that, that Nico Horner should start the season in the minors, don't take that as a dig at Nico, don't take that as a lack of belief in Nico or anything like that. It's all just a question of is starting the major league season as the Chicago Cubs' everyday second baseman, is that the best thing for Nico's development as, in particular, an offensive player? Is that the best thing for him? Is he up to that task? And is that route the best way to turn Nico Horner into the longtime second baseman of the Chicago Cubs, which is and always has been the plan with him? So, as it stands right now, I, I think Brendan and I probably lean toward the group with getting him more time in the minors. And part of that is just really, it's a very difficult task, right? He he was not necessarily expected to be brought up when he was in 2019. That was sort of just an emergency situation that the Cubs needed to address and figure out. And, you know, then he was obviously involved in 2020, had his struggles at the plate. And it's it's just a tall task to develop as an offensive player with so little time in the minors against the top pitching in the league. And there may be a way to, you know, selectively choose his matchups and things like that. But then that doesn't necessarily go along with what Jed is saying about you know somebody grabbing hold of the job and sticking to it. So I don't I don't know how much you know his his spring performance will necessarily inform this. Uh, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into this. How he's looking in the workouts, et cetera, et cetera. But that is. I think to me the the second on the list of of you know sort of the the biggest things to watch as it relates in spring training. Like personally, you know, again, like it's sort of in the context that the Cubs are not going for it completely in twenty twenty one, I don't I don't have much of an issue letting David Bodie get the time. And we we've talked a lot about him and where his strengths are and you know stuff that he's been working to improve on in terms of what his weaknesses are. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't really have a problem with that. Um, you know, and Vargas showed you some things that, you know, perhaps in a limited role or, you know, certain matchups, you know, maybe he can contribute in that way as well. So I, I don't necessarily have the, an issue if that's the plan. So quickly, I know this is a nuanced thing and we're heading towards the end of the hour here, but I would, I would just ask Brendan, your, your opinion as we stand right now on, on Nico and, you know, maybe what you're thinking in that regard. And then do you think there's value in looking at someone like Kipnis and bringing him back, bringing someone who's a veteran, uh, who kind of gelled with this team, you know, but the, the offensive performance kind of tapered off as the year went on. He got off to that really hot start, um, or would you rather see them stick with someone like David Bodie, see what you have in, in Vargas, and see if uh, those two can kind of handle the job until Nico's ready, or if your other answer was going to be just giving Nico the job, then just disregard that.
0: This is difficult because Vargas, you have no data on Vargas. All you can go off of is that home run against Josh Hader and kind of the eye test. Nico, n- Nico is so odd to try to project because even before COVID, he had this abnormal development timeline. I mean, he got called up to San Diego um, when Javi went down in 2019 towards the end of the year. So he's had this very bizarre, non-linear trajectory where he's skipping triple. I mean, I don't know what to think of, of Nico. Even in 2020, his year was so bizarre because he in some ways, accomplish what I think we wanted him to accomplish. And what I mean by that is his discipline was markedly improved compared to 2019. He swung at a pitch outside the strike zone in 2019 50% of the time. I mean, Javi's average is around 40%. So he's swinging at pitches outside the zone more than Javi was. But last year, he was swinging at pitches outside the strike zone at 31% of the time. That's basically a very similar to rate to Chris Bryant. So that that is a huge improvement. But at the same time, the entire team was swinging at less pitches outside the zone. And there were some instances where maybe they were sacrificing hitting good pitches as a result, which is also what you saw with Nico. His zone swing rate was down 10 percentage points in 2020 compared to 2019. So you can make the argument as well. And so I, this is all to say, I don't know with, with Nico, if the goal is to get him the most playing time, then if that's at the big league level because they truly believe he can handle it, I'm for it, man. Now, if that's at the AAA level because they think that's where he's... Most primed to develop um, forward as well. Uh, there's a side of me that really wants to see Nico at the big league level, just because I like the guy. I like watching him play, and I do believe in him. Um, so I think if I had it, if I had to pick from a selfish point of view, I, I would like Nico to get the job on opening day. That being said, I'm also interested in what David Bodie could do in a more of a consistent playing role. But similar to to Nico, it's hard to project Bodie. So you have to have some more depth pieces, which goes to your point about Kipness Maybe bringing back Kipnis does make sense because, you know, having more people there and a veteran of his stature and he is competent defensively and he could only be worth a minor league deal, maybe that makes sense to bring Kipness back. But I think first and foremost, Nico's development, given what we've heard with Jed, sounds like it's going to be a priority where you're having one eye, one eye, on the immediate, but both eyes towards the future. I think Nico almost personifies that exact metaphor. So all this is to say is I'm kind of diverting to what the coach is seeing in spring training. And if they decide Nico should be in AAA, then I'm going to back it. If they, if they decide, hey, he can handle second base as a 80% full-time player at the big league level, let's do it. Let's see what he has. If anything, I think that's more fun.
1: Yeah, for sure. And and I I really just wanted to make sure we added the context that whatever they're deciding is all just for Nico's benefit, right? Because I, I do think that there, there may be some people who are just like, what? Like, you know, send him to the minors. Like, he should be the future. And it's like, that's the yeah. point, right? Like, that's what we're trying to figure out is what the best path for that is. And I think that's kind of one of those unique examples, maybe not unique, but of the shortened season and all of that and and just how it kind of threw things for a bit of a loop because I think we we were having this same discussion prior to last season but just because like the way that all played out you obviously didn't have a minor league system you know with someone like Nico you almost didn't have a choice uh you know I think some of the guys got got some value of being at that that satellite um Thing in in South Bend. I know Brennan Davis spoke to Jordan Bastion of MLB and Cubs.com about how valuable that experience was and being around some big leaguers when they were there and things like that. But Nico really needed those at bats. So, you know, now you're kind of coming back to a more normal situation and you're sort of trying to reevaluate that. But I, I do just want to add a little bit of context before we sign off to this uh, question. And and this is uh, from an article on Bleacher Nation from uh, Michael Cerami. And he he just listed out the number of minor league plate appearances that some of the major Cubs prospects from this, this last era had before they arrived in the majors. Um, and just looking at some of these names, now you have to remember that some of these guys got to the majors very quickly. And they're still they still took many many more plate appearances in the minors than Nico did so just some examples uh Chris Bryant took 773 plate appearances in the minors before he did he arrived in the majors Ian Happ 978 Kyle Schwarber 621 was the lowest Javi Baez 1,350. 1350, Albert Almora, 1,788. And Wilson Contreras, 2,132. Now, Wilson obviously had uh, quite the journey to get to the majors. Um, but just putting that all in context, so again, you know, like one of the lower ones was Schwarber at 621. Nico's at 375. So well below a lot of these guys, more than half, you know, less than half, and well, mm-hmm. you know, below someone like Wilson Contreras or Javi Baez. Javi, you know, near a thousand more plate appearances in the minors than Nico Horner. So all these guys are different. Even the guys that I read off on that list are all, they, they come from different backgrounds. They had different pedigrees. They have different strengths and weaknesses and all sorts of things. But it's just to kind of inform this conversation. And, you know, that's just not a lot of minor league plate appearances. And when you're talking about someone who's a first round draft pick and someone who you envision playing the middle for you at second base in the long term, that is going to be one of the key storylines for the Cubs in this spring training is what is the best decision for Nico Horner. And I I, I think that that is going to weigh out even if they thought something might be better for 2021. I think the most important thing uh, for that position in this year is what gets Nico to the place that you want him to be long term, not just right now. And I and I think that's, you know, it's another one of those things that goes back to something Jed has said this whole offseason. We want to compete in twenty twenty one, but the eye is toward the future. And I think that that applies pretty well to Nico and we'll see how it goes in the spring and we'll see ultimately what they decide and who is manning second base on a, a more regular, everyday basis for this team once the season arrives. But I think that is what we have for you this week. Uh as always, you know, as as uh, if you're a new listener Generally, once, uh, you know, the Cubs are in spring training and, you know, we're kind of getting more daily content soon enough, we will uh, also ramp up our schedule and we'll get back to doing two episodes a week. Doesn't really seem necessary now, as always, uh, you know, kind of our logic there is we don't ask, we don't like to ask you guys to download these episodes, listen to us talk for an hour if we don't really have anything to tell you or to talk about. Uh, But, As we head towards actual baseball coming back into our lives and not just like reading (laughs) rumors on Twitter and stuff like that, we'll get back to a uh, two-week, two-episode-a-week format. And then, of course, obviously, once the season starts, we always do that, but we do start that uh, sometime in spring training. And of course, as the caveat has been this whole offseason, if something happens between now and early next week, we will jump on in emergency fashion and break it down. But otherwise, I I think this was a, a pretty interesting week. We actually had some stuff to talk about, some stuff going on around the league, a little bit from our new president of baseball operations, Jed Hoyer. And it you know a, a little bit of uh hope perhaps that you know some more more interesting additions are going to still happen with this team and then the roster is going to continue to be rounded out so that is what we have for you as always we thank you guys for listening to the cubs related podcast and supporting us on the various social media platforms leaving us five-star reviews wherever you listen to podcasts and we will talk to you guys next week as always go cubs